I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're now into the 1 o'clock hour. 1.06 is the KSL news time. Something happened on the floor of the United States Senate this morning. Let me play for you just a, a clip, a little excerpt of an exchange between Senators Schumer and Kennedy. And, uh, and Senator Mike Lee is on the line. We'll explain to us exactly what happened. I am making a motion to move to closed session. In accordance with Rule 21, I now move that the Senate go into closed session. Is there a second? The motion having been made and seconded that the Senate go into closed session. The chair, pursuant to Rule 21, now directs the sergeant-at-arms to clear all galleries, close all doors of the Senate chamber, and exclude from the chamber and its immediate quarters all employees and officials of the Senate who, under the rule, are not eligible to attend the closed session and who are not sworn to secrecy. The question is not debatable. Senator Lee, first, welcome to the program. Let me ask you, what happened this morning and why did it happen? Well, we went into closed session and they kicked everybody out except for the senators and a a small handful of clerical personnel who had to be there. And we've been casting procedural votes basically all day related to our lead up to the Barrett confirmation. This is unusual. I've been in the Senate for nearly 10 years. And this is the first time we've gone into closed session since I've been here. The last time that happened uh, was in late 2010, just after I'd been elected, but before I was sworn into office. So it's an unusual move. We're not allowed to talk about what happens in closed session, but I'll put it this way. Uh, we weren't in closed session very long. It was very, very brief. Fifteen minutes from my count, uh, and then you were out of closed session. I, I was going to ask you uh, what you guys talked about, but uh, you preempted me and said, no, you, you can't discuss it. Can you talk about the tactic, why it may have been used, or was it a tactical move? Can you tell me that on the part of Democrats? I believe it was a tactical move. Uh, The amount of time that we were in closed session was not coincidentally almost the exact amount of time that it takes to cast a vote to take us back out of executive session. Uh, But uh, a senator can request that when we're on the executive calendar, meaning when we're considering a presidential nominee or a treaty, uh, you can make this motion and you can move quickly into executive session on the motion of any senator. It's not debatable. It just happens. At that moment, uh, once you're in closed session, you can vote. A, a, A simple majority of the body can vote to take us out of closed session. So that's exactly what we did. 
And like I say, it, it's not coincidental, but the amount of time we yeah. were in closed session is <laughs> almost the exact amount of time that it takes to cast that vote. Well, very good. T- tell us what else is going on uh, in the Senate right now. How is the process right now moving forward in the confirmation of uh, Judge Barrett? Well, it's moving along rather <clears throat> nicely. We, we, we currently got a, a motion to table the appeal of the ruling of the chair on the compound motion raised by Senator Schumann, uh, Schumer uh, to, uh, to adjourn. And, it, you know, it, you feel a little bit like Pinocchio in Shrek 3. Uh, because you get so many double negatives in there. It wouldn't yeah. be entirely untrue if I didn't say that I didn't want to not adjourn. That's basically <laughs> what we're saying here. Yeah. And so um, the, here again, like the motion to go into closed session, uh, this is basically a delay tactic on the part of the, of the Senate Democrats who would rather have more time to fundraise off of their opposition to the confirmation of Judge Amy Barrett. All right. Well, we'll let that lie. Uh, likely, uh, procedure will prevail, and that confirmation will come uh, either. Should I expect Monday? Monday evening? Do you think? Yes. Um, absent something unforeseen at this point, you never know exactly what to predict, and, and not to predict around here. But if I'm doing the math right, uh, we probably will vote by Monday evening uh, on final confirmation, and I. Expect that to be a favorable vote, and uh, and but it will happen by then. All right, very good. Let's uh, let's look backwards a little bit to the seventh of this month. It was about half past seven o'clock here uh, as the vice presidential candidates were uh, debating on the campus of the University of Utah. You uh, took to Twitter, Senator, and you very simply stated, "We are not a democracy." And almost immediately, uh, there was some pretty strong backlash uh, via Twitter, uh, appearing elsewhere, uh, those with some pretty strong words condemning your assertion and looking into conspiracy thoughts and all this. Uh, You, the next day, followed up with a a tweet reading, democracy isn't the objective, liberty, peace and prosperity are. We want the human condition to flourish. Ranked democracy can't thwart that. I'll I'll admit, when I saw saw that uh, tweet from you come the day of the debate, I I knew exactly what you meant, and I also knew uh, that many didn't, and that it was going to be uh, a difficult task of of explaining exactly what you meant. And uh, and so when I saw just yesterday published uh, an essay of yours, I was very grateful to to read through it and see that yeah, no, that's 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 what I understood him to have meant. There's one line in there uh, in particular that jumps out, and I'll uh, share that and then let you explain. It reads, uh, "Power is not found in mere majorities, but in carefully balanced." power. Uh, tell us why y- you sent that tweet. Well, first of all, this shouldn't be surprising to anyone that I would say this. I've said this on countless occasions over the last 10 years since I've been in this business. And it is also an objectively true fact. Article 4 of the Constitution actually makes clear that we are, in fact, a republic. There is a difference between a republic, a constitutional republic like ours, and a pure democracy. And the the difference lies in the objective. The objective of of a pure democracy is to reflect the will of a simple majority of the citizenry. Uh, Whereas with a constitutional republic, you can limit the power of a simple majority of the citizenry so that there are certain things they can't do. And, And as I've pointed out in countless speeches, articles, books I've written, and including the recent tweets that I've made, uh, most, I would hope, all Americans would agree 
that there are certain things that we want to be beyond the power of a simple majority to decide. We, we wouldn't want a simple majority of Americans to be able to limit someone's freedom of speech or freedom of the press or their rights to due process or their, their protection uh, uh, when it comes to their right to assemble freely or to petition their government for redress of their grievances. And so that's really the whole point of having a constitution is to restrain the government, regardless of, of whether it's supported by a simple majority. Were you surprised by the by the magnitude of the of the response you received? A little, a little, especially because this is a point I've made on countless occasions over the last decade. This is uh, is not news. It shouldn't have been news to anyone. Um, I was live tweeting in response to the vice presidential debate, and you know, I suppose uh, uh, emotions can understandably be heightened in connection with that. And people might misunderstand. But like I say, this is about as newsworthy as saying the sun is going to rise in the east tomorrow. We are not, in fact, a pure democracy. We are a republic, and it does matter. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I, I understood what you meant. Uh, I'm sorry that you received uh, some negativity in your direction as a result of it. But uh, when all is said hey, and done, the territory. Yeah, exactly right. And if it gives you an opportunity uh, to, you know, give a little civics lesson, I, I think that there is still value there. So uh, anyway, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to you for the tweet initially and for the explanation you've shared with us here today. And as you said, you've written and spoken about now for years. Senator Mike Lee, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Lee. Take care. All righty. Uh, before we go to break, I do have some breaking news to share, and it is uh, in terms of case numbers. We have today's newest case count, and it is a record. 1,960 new cases today breaks uh, yesterday's record. The governor, Governor Gary Herbert, issued the following statement along with the record-setting uh, case count of today. He says, this is a record for Utah, but not a good one. Cases of COVID-19 are at an all-time high, and I am deeply concerned that COVID exhaustion is as well. Now is not the time to let down your guard. By public health order, masks are required in 21 counties. Wear one anytime you are around someone outside your immediate household, even when around extended families or friends. Other numbers to come out today. Uh, the number, again, 1,960 positive cases. That's an uh, lab test, there were 8,454. The rolling seven-day average for positive tests is now 1,355. And the rolling seven-day average for percent of positive lab tests is 15.8%. Hospitalization stand at 313. Quick break. When we return, we're going to dig back into the presidential debate here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.